Welcome to the Nerd Normie Podcast. I'm a big film nerd, Everett. And I'm Emerald, and I'm engaged to a nerd. On this week's episode, we'll be covering two movies. First up is The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, directed by Francis Lawrence. And I chose Next Goal Wins, directed by Taika Waititi. Uh, for both of these movies, we will do spoilers and that, or non-spoilers and then spoilers. Uh, and there will be time codes down in the descriptions below if you want to jump around. Let's get into it. Mr. Snow, after everything you've seen out there in the world, what are the Hunger Games for? All right, for my pick this week, I chose The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, directed by Francis Lawrence. Um, I was a huge Hunger Games nerd back in middle school and high school and forever. Um, I, to set the stage, I read the first book, didn't care for it. I think I've seen all the movies. I may not have seen Mockingjay Part 2. Um, I, <laughs> on the other hand, have read the book's probably like 10 times each. I was very obsessed with them. The movies I thought were all right, but I was I was a big reader back then, so I always kind of preferred the books to the movies. Um, this one, I read half of the book, and it was a l- I just am not a reader anymore. I am too much into the internet now, and it's hard for me to finish a book, but I read half of it, and then uh, we went and saw it, um, I do so far also like the book better than the movie. I feel like the book, like the movie doesn't line up very closely at all with the half of the book that I read. Um, so if you're expecting it to, I wouldn't really get your hopes up. I know a lot of people get really disappointed when a movie doesn't match up with a book. Um, we talked about this on the ride home. I think they should have made this into a TV show. He disagrees with me, but considering the book is split up into three sections, they I think they could have done three seasons. He said that he should. He didn't agree just because he thought that um, there wouldn't be enough action in season one because usually the first part of a story doesn't have a lot going on, um, which in this case given the movie circumstances, you would think that's true, but there is so much that goes on in the book that they leave out of the movie. So I don't know. I think think it would have been good. (laughs) Another part of my argument is you call a movie, the hunger games, the ballad of songbirds and snakes, and then you make a season of a TV show without the hunger games. Cause that's part two is the hunger games. Um, I think you're going to kind of set yourself up for a lot of criticism, a lot of backlash, a lot of confusion, I thought, with having watched this movie, it should have been two movies, and that would be fine. There was about an hour and a half, hour 45 of this movie. I, was, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I was enjoying myself. I liked it. Thought it was good. I thought that movie ended, and I was like, cool, credits are going to roll. I enjoyed this. And then there's another hour of movie, and this is a two-hour and 40-minute young adult movie which i think will cost them in the long run because it's going to be hard to convince people for repeat viewings yeah whereas if they had done two hour and a half hour 45 maybe even two 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 hour movies people would have been much more invested then again i also having not read any of the book i don't know where the book ends and if that third part really there's just not enough 
material for a full movie and they didn't want to expand or if it was more of a you know oh we haven't made a hunger games movie now in like 10 years we're not confident even though all the other ones did exceedingly well financially it was diminishing returns what if this one doesn't connect with audiences and no one goes so they put it all in one movie i don't know um but it really that really kind of killed the movie and its momentum for me when i i was like wow great what a good ending to this movie that's very like satisfying and i enjoyed this uh and then all of a sudden there's another hour that i found to be of the three parts of the movie not the least interesting outright but very much it escalates and then drops back down and where it built back up to was not the same heights as where it built in acts one and two yeah i feel like maybe if they would have ended it i mean we can go into it more in spoilers but ended it with um um there's a there's a moment kind of in the in the middle of the hunger games yeah the middle of the like rising action that could have been a good climax to this movie yeah and then you pick back up on the next movie oh we don't know where things have quite landed with all the characters you start off with super fun action hunger games stuff that people are there expect to see and then at its core what this is is the fall of a single man and then his rise again and political conniving and backstabbing and what will you do to restore your family name and all this kind of stuff it's really a more politically charged movie than a hunger games action movie um and yeah i think if you build the first one like a little more like an action movie that builds this big action set piece and then this moment that we can talk about more later kind of is the climax and then you start the next movie with action and then go heavily into the political side of this world it is a really interesting premise and i I do really like the arc for uh, Snow, yeah. Coriolanus. I like genuinely. I think it's a really good story, and often prequels fall subject to like, oh, it's you know they can't do anything too exciting because it ruins the later movies, or like you can't do anything that's too obvious that it would have come up later. And this movie threads that needle perfectly. I think there's a few on-the-nose moments that are like, okay, um, one's in a trailer. <laughs> but uh, overall, I do think like this movie deserves to exist. The story is engaging and timely in a lot of ways also. Um, yeah. yeah. I also think that Snow is one of the greatest villains in the books in the movies he's kind of a letdown but his relationship with Katniss in the original ones is just so interesting to me and all their conversations that they have are like bone chillingly spooky he's so like entertaining to read but also like terrifying you know and in the movies he just kind of falls flat and he's kind of just a background character yeah, but I see that in this version yeah. of Snow. The the guy who plays him, I don't remember his name. Oh, let me pull him up. <clears throat> um, Tom Blythe. Tom Blythe is incredible. He yeah. does a really, really good job in this movie, making you 
both root for and against him. He is a unlikable and you should hate him character, but he's so good in this role that you're not like cheering for him, but you understand like every Joe Goldberg. Decision. Yeah. Like a Joe <laughs> Goldberg from you. Like you understand every decision he makes and because you're following him, you get kind of wrapped up in his worldview at times and kind of understanding you're like oh no wait you got to do this because that's what you're going for yeah and I do think that this is like the perfect story like even though I hadn't finished the book yet knowing how it goes now is the perfect like plot line to turn him into the way he is later yeah and I yeah he was acted so perfectly I thought everyone was casted really well um yeah he was just He's incredible as an actor. Yeah, I'd I'm love really to see excited. him in more. I'm really excited to see where he goes. This this is a very impressive performance. Um, is it Rachel Zegler? Yeah. Um, who plays Lucy Gray, um, who's kind of the other main character in this movie, is also really good in it. I it really enjoyed her performance. She can sing incredibly well. Oh, yeah. An Phenomenal. Amazing voice. Um my <laughs> he didn't know that there was going to be singing <laughs> i did not know there was going to be this amount of singing and this they're in two different movies was my issue they're both really good at what they're doing and what they're being asked to do he is in a adult drama character driven study of a man and she is in a fun young adult actiony political intrigue movie where the main character is kind of almost like a pop star within her world uh and in any time there's an emotional moment she bursts in the song and there's just a lot of moments in which a character normally and i would not expect them to sing and she sings because that's her character and again within her side of the movie works perfectly i would have been fine with that but juxtaposed against him and his very serious, dramatic performance, it kind of made me chuckle a couple times. <laughs> yeah, they also don't really go into the whole singing thing that much. She's part of a covey, and they go from, like, district to district being musicians and performing for people, and then kind of just got stuck in District 12 um, because, like, yeah, that's just how things went for them. And they don't really talk about it that much, so it just kind of seems out of place yeah, with the singing. Yeah, like, you know that's what she's from, and you know that's kind of what happened, and that she likes music and color. But that's, but like, the core of her existence, yeah, and they don't the talk about it. the first time you see her, like, the, her first appearance, this is the first, like, 30 seconds of the movie, is her getting picked for the Hunger Games. Yeah. And she sings. And to me, that was like, oh, I think it should have, like, we get, I guess, technically the first little bit of the movie is a little backstory to Snow before we see him grown up. I think you could have also shown a little backstory potentially of her of a lighter moment in yeah. which she, that's the first time she sings is in a moment where we say, oh, this is her culture, it's her life, it's everything to her is music and not, oh, she's this weird eccentric lady who decides to sing and it's weird and it's played like it's weird because it's being viewed from 
Snow's eyes in which nobody knows who she is and she was just picked and suddenly is singing. See, I disagree. Uh, I like that beginning for her because it's from Snow's, like, perspective. So the first time he sees her, she's being a little crazy, you know? Like, she drops a snake down someone's shirt and then sings a song as she's getting chosen to go die. And I do think that's interesting, but then I wish they would have had, like, a conversation that included a flashback or something. Because then, like, when she sings and the rest of it, you're just like, okay but she's so talented that it should be in there there just should be more of an explanation or i think yeah or snow should be a little less dramatic or some of her singing should be a little less on the nose kind of over the top cheesiness yeah but it is what it is and i think a lot of people are going to really love this movie and i I'm not going to begrudge them that this is not the type of movie I came out, even though I don't love it. And I think there are structural issues and I didn't love um, necessarily the dynamic between the characters. I, again, as I said, I actually really enjoyed this story. I was not a fan of the original Hunger Games things. They just never really clicked with me. Um, But I, if they make another one of these and he's playing Snow in his next phase... Uh, I am 100% there, and I would be very excited for it. I agree. The whole time we were watching it, I was very immersed. Normally, when we're in a theater, I, like, look around and fidget a lot, and I was just eyes glued to the screen until it ended, and I was like, oh, wow, we're in a busy theater. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and our whole theater was pretty... Packed at a matinee. Yeah, we went... We couldn't get tickets Friday in, like, reasonable seats, and so we ended up going, buying tickets ahead of time for Saturday. Thank goodness we bought them ahead of time sold out theater at noon on a saturday yeah um and a very engrossed audience uh and again i for me i was engrossed for two-thirds of the movie and then it fell off fair enough yeah let's uh i guess we don't have too much to say in spoilers but we can say a little (laughs) bit so here we go all right moving into spoilers um so this follows coriolanus snow um this is after the war where the rebels tried to take down the capital and the capital split everyone into the districts. Um, and this is the 10th annual Hunger Games. It's before they're able to do all the tech stuff. It's before there's like donations, before there's mentors. The arena is like a, like a coliseum type arena. It's just a big empty space. Yeah. With no hiding, no trees, with seats for fans to come and watch, it'd be like going to watch a, a football soccer game, game, soccer game, yeah. Um, and they decide to do mentors. Um, Snow's family previously has been very wealthy, very important, very powerful, but ever since the war and him becoming an orphan, he's had to. They've had to scrape by barely. His cousin Tigris, Tigris. Um, she has been supporting them working with a fashion person. This is from the book. They don't really go over this in the movie. Um, and so he is expecting to get assigned a better (laughs) person for the Hunger Games, but he gets assigned not only someone from District 12, which is the poorest, weakest, saddest district, but a, the girl also. So he's, you know, a little nervous, um, but there's a prize being offered to whoever can make a spectacle out of their 
person. Yeah, basically. basically, after ten years, the Hunger Games of just literally being a room where kids brutally murder each other has lost its appeal, and people aren't watching. People aren't watching, and it's not happening, and it's just they're considering cutting them all together. And the game maker had game maker lady, um, played by Viola Davis, uh, is determined to make sure they remain and that they are a fixture of capital society and the whole districts in Pan Am. Um, and so they basically create this mentor system and start tra- changing some of the rules to the games to try and make it more of a spectacle. And that's where Snow comes in and really excels at this concept. Yeah. So like he shows up at the train station when they get dropped off. He ends up getting stuck behind, you know, the cage in the zoo where they're keeping them. That's the other thing is in this one, the, the, I don't even know what to call them. The kids who are going in the Hunger Games, they tributes. don't, the tributes, that's the word. <laughs> um, they don't. Are you even a Hunger Games fan? Shut up. <laughs> They don't get taken care of like they do in the later ones. They're treated like animals, literally kept in a zoo where people watch and throw things at them and poke and prod and laugh and whatever. And he gets thrown in there. You know, he makes, yeah, a spectacle of himself and of her. Um, They don't really go over it a lot in the movie, but he does a lot more in the book. Um, And yeah, they... They do the Hunger Games. She wins. Uh, they fall in love-ish. And I think an important thing here for the journey of Snow is that he is... His whole thing is like, if we can make them human and get people to understand them and have favorites, they'll root for them and therefore they'll watch. And even though their person might lose, it's like sports you watch the team you like and you're invested in them and you'll continue to watch until the very end hoping your team wins yeah and so he's essentially trying to create these connections um and in doing so he gets to know her and he starts kind of he likes her and they have a little bit of chemistry and there's he kind of gets caught up in like am i trying to save her or am i trying to save myself and he But at the end of the day, he will have to make that choice of me versus her. Yeah. It it can never be both of them. Yeah, I told Everett when I was reading the book how terrified I was that it was seeming like a love story because of the fact that his inner monologue the whole time is talking about how people from the districts are animals and the capital is so much better than them and everything. And I was like, I hope to God that they do not end up together. Which, spoiler alert, they don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think the movie does a good job that in this time when he's kind of confused and could go either way, he never truly betrays his inner feelings that, no, at the end of the day, it's about me gaining power here. And I'm being successful and I'm the important one and I'm using her for that. Yeah. It's just coincidence that she also happens to be very charming yeah and that's where i do wish it was split up more because like the build-up in the books to getting to the hunger games he really does seem (coughs) sorry he really does seem like he's this good guy minus this like inner monologue you know what i mean and like 
I don't know, after they get out of the Hunger Games and she wins, he's kind of disgraced because he helped her cheat um, to win. And so he gets banished to go be a peacekeeper in District 8, but uses the last money that his family has to get put in District 12 so he can see her again. But still in doing so, his friend, well, supposed friend, gets assigned there too um, because he thinks that they're going to make a difference. And because Snow told him that that's what he's there for is to help make a difference. And he just doesn't. Doesn't. Yeah. And anytime something comes up where he could, he chooses the capital every time because he's a bad person. And this is the kind of one area, again, I do. This is why I think it should have been two movies. I think there was more room to develop the buildup, as you just said, to the Hunger Games. But then also, yeah, this dynamic with his friend um, and them going to District 12 as they're going there they're very he's like mad about the capital and mad about everything that happened and full in on like i'm going to district 12 to see uh lucy gray and this is going to be great blah 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 and it like their friend and him are you know trying to enjoy their lives there and make the best of it um and i immediately the first time he's confronted with like a oh wait there's gray area in the world he's immediately like no the capital's the greatest and i was like oh wait yeah there's just no there's just there's no time yeah there's no time (laughs) for like the rise and fall like it's such an he's played so well and it's such an interesting story of how he comes to be i just wish there was more time yeah and so yeah he does end up betraying that friend and recording a conversation um, where that friend admits he's trying to help some rebels and stuff and sends that to the game maker to try and use it as leverage. And, Which then gets his friend killed. And his friend gets killed and then, yeah, there's just kind of a snow... Uh, no pun intended, but a snowball effect of <laughs> the friend dies and the he then also slightly before that they get caught up with some rebels and they find some guns and someone tries to flee and he shoots her and then like the guns are tied to him and he can't have them found and so there's all these layers that every time he does something that's like no this is the last thing i'm gonna do for the capital or whatever and then lucy gray you and me are gonna have a great life together there's still a loose end and that just keeps piling up and everything he does to try and stop it just continues to be a step towards the inevitable snow that we know from yeah. the hunger games um so what we were saying earlier when we said it could be split there's a part where um Sejanus, who's uh his supposed friend the one who he gets killed um he sneaks into the hunger games arena during the hunger games because his tribute is killed by the capital basically because well technically he's killed by another tribute but he's hung up beaten and left to die by the capital and in their district they have a tradition that they sprinkle breadcrumbs over dead people's bodies basically to give them sustenance on the road into their next life um, and he didn't want him to lay there dying without that. So and he, they went to school together growing up. And yeah. then Sejanus is very wealthy and it ended up having a life in the capital thanks to yeah. the war. And he's super against it all. And so he sneaks in there and they send in uh, Snow to get him out because they've been friends up to this point And they think he's the only one that he's going to listen to. Um, and I think that would have been like a perfect ending it's like building up suspense to that point and that's just like a especially the way they set it up in the book 
um, versus the movie. Like, in the book, Snow goes home, and um, Sejanus' mother is at his house saying that he's missing, and then they get a call, and they're like, he's in the arena, which would have been just, like, the perfect end i feel like and then have the next one build up i was thinking having again not the book context you can expand that out maybe have the mother come in or something but then send him into the arena they go into the arena he convinces him and snow ends up killing one of the tributes who comes at them uh and it starts as self-defense and then he like beats the kid back or whatever and he's like lying on the ground unconscious and he looks at him and he pauses for a second and then he goes in for a third unnecessary killer the kill blow. hit yeah um and i think have him do that and then the movie yeah ends that on that too. kind of dark like oh my this is the evil snow we're starting to see it and then the next movie come in and be like okay we've seen the first domino fall let's watch the rest of them fall into place yeah that would have been just perfect um but yeah so all this stuff happens and they him and um lucy gray go to run away together and she kind of finds out that he is the reason that his friend died he admits that he's killed three people and she said she's like you've only told me about two i thought we were supposed to trust each other that's like the most important thing to me who's the third one and he just lies makes up a stupid lie on the spot and she can tell so she goes to like run away from him and then disappears into the night. <laughs> yeah, I'd say like that part of the ending was a little just. They said weird. <laughs> they said in an article um, that it's confusing unless you've read the book. So okay. once I finish it, yeah, I'll let, let you me know. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, it is kind of just like she starts to realize he's not who he says he is, and that there's something going on under the surface, and he's you know like he even he tells her yeah I'm a hundred percent going with you like I'm staying, and then he's going to take a position in district two because he's getting a promotion and he's just going to take it and he wasn't going to tell her and then he's like no i'm not taking it i'm staying with you and she's like oh wait but you were going to he's like but i'm not now um and then they go to like this cabin and there's just a weird exchange when he has like the gun and she says like like weirdly like knowing almost like provoking him like telling him hey i'm your loose end better not I'm going to go do this thing that I said you shouldn't do yet. And then goes and then like a snake bites him in the woods and she's running and still there. And like, why didn't she just leave? Leave. And again, yeah. So I think there might be more context in the book, but within the world of the movie didn't quite come across of what was going on there. The snake didn't end up even being venomous. So it was like, no, it was did, but it didn't really affect him until way later whereas everyone else you see bit by a venomous snake dies within 30 seconds yeah so i just i'll i'll finish the book and i'll see if it like lines up but in terms of like a movie if you haven't read it 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 does come across a little weird and confusing and again i think if you split this up and you had an extra 45 minutes to build out this last third of the movie you could explain what's going on here and set it up a little more coherently yeah but trying to put it all into one i commend them for being able to get it all in there and have it be a enjoyable watch 
but I think it should yeah. have been two. That's always <laughs> my big complaint when it comes to just, like, books going into movies is that they just leave so much out. Like, there's two things that I was looking forward to a lot based off of what I read from the books, and it was, like, two things that they didn't include in the movie, which was such a bummer. Like, this one girl gets bit by a snake, and they show that, but then they never show her again. And, you know, like, in the book, uh, Snow goes to visit her, and, like, they the capital's lying and covering up like that she's in the hospital they're telling her parents she has the flu like it's just messed up and i wanted to see the cool sfx makeup that they would do because she basically like starts turning into a snake in the book not really but like her eyes turn yellow and her skin gets like scaly and shedding and gross and i wanted to see it because i thought it would be fun (laughs) and then um I also wanted to see Snow and Tigress's relationship a little bit more just because she was one of my favorite characters that I read in the book and they she's only in like four scenes in the movie which really bummed me out because like she was kind of his grounding person um she goes on to kind of imply to him that like when they were really really struggling that she was like selling herself basically so that they could survive and so like she's encouraging this relationship that he has with his tribute because she sees them as people and she's kind of a huge influence on him. So I would have liked to see their relationship because at the end, um, when he comes in and she's basically coming to terms with all the things that he's done and tells him that he looks just like his father, I think it would be more impactful if you were able to know the relationship between them building up to that. Um, but yeah, so I think it should have been like a TV show or two movies or something, but overall, I do think it was enjoyable. The music was good. The acting was good. It was casted well, just not my favorite. So what would you rate it? (laughs) Um, probably like a seven. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to be right there with you on a seven, but I'm really, uh, something Blythe, what was Coriolanus, Coriolanus? Tom Blythe. Tom Blythe. I cannot wait to see what he does next. He was exceptional. Yep. Welcome to the Capitol. You look like you shouldn't be here. I shouldn't, but I'm your mentor. A rebel. All right, for my movie this week, I picked Next Goal Wins, uh, directed by Taika Waititi, starring Michael Fassbender, Oscar Keitley, Kaimena, David Fane, who is a teacher of mine from film school. Uh, love him. He is a great man. Uh, Rachel House and many others, including small roles for like Will Arnett and Elizabeth Moss and other people. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is the true story of the America Samoa um, national soccer team. And after they well, suffered... Well, mostly true. Most slight yes. embellishments. <laughs> I would say slightly more than slight. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it is roughly based on the story of America Samoa. And they suffered the largest defeat in World Cup qualifying history with 31-0 to Australia. Uh, and then after this, they're kind of on the brink of being shut down. Most of the team has quit. Uh, and then there's a disgraced coach um from the who coaches in the u.s system uh who is kind of on his last hurrah he's gotten too angry and too temperamental to be put up with uh and so they basically tell him like you can either do nothing with your life forever or go coach this team and so he 
begrudgingly accepts it, uh, goes and drinks his time away. Uh, but of course, it's a feel-good sports movie. There are laughs. There are dramatic moments. Uh, there is then the inevitable conclusion to the movie, which if you know world soccer, you might know, but if you don't find out from the movie, uh, (laughs) this is (laughs) non-spoilers. Uh, yeah, I, it's not my favorite Taika movie. I think he's dropped in quality over the years. I think he kind of grew. Some of his earlier New Zealand based films were good, not great. That's because and then, Wilder People is the best movie. But so. then, yeah, he makes Wilder People, Jojo Rabbit, Thor Ragnarok, and he's on the rise. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love everything this man makes. And then he takes on every job known to man. <laughs> and now. Yeah. And he, yeah. So he's currently doing multiple Star Wars projects. He's did Love and Thunder and other Marvel stuff. And then now he's also did this movie in the background and he's in the show black flag anyway doing a lot of stuff a lot a lot of work um and so i think this movie kind of suffers because it feels heavily improved and kind of just rushed like okay we got 30 days that's all i've got for you guys let's shoot an entire movie i'm pretty sure it's parks and rec that says you can't half-ass two things you have to whole ass one thing (laughs) and it shows in a lot of his work now that he's just not putting his whole heart into it yep and it is a shame because this is an incredible story and there's in particular one character played by Kaimena uh who is Fafafine which is a third gender recognized in Polynesian culture uh basically as we know it in the western world is non-binary um or transgender and they are played by a transgender actor, uh, and she plays for the men's national team because she biologically, medically, is still considered male and can play for them um, up until a certain point when her hormones kick over certain levels, all this kind of stuff that the doctors have to figure out. Uh, Anyway, but her journey and the coach's journey are central to this team. Um, And then, again, there's also just the heartwarming story of the world's worst soccer team trying to just score a goal uh, and that's their only goal yeah not to win the movie. just to just get to, one just goal to score one goal is all they're asking for um yeah and i think i don't know i also am probably biased i went to film school in new zealand so i love the the culture i love the humor um a lot of the jokes to me just it sounds like when my friends would go, you know, be riffing and stuff, the cadence, the timing of everything, seeing my old teacher Dave Fane up there didn't make it feel any less like personal to me. So I might be a little biased in how much I enjoyed this. But I've never been out of the country. <laughs> I don't know Dave Fane, and I very much enjoyed it. I thought it was heartwarming. I thought it was funny. Like I laughed out loud multiple times. I yeah. I yeah. I teared up a little bit. I thought it was, you know, a good story. And was it predictable? Yeah, but any movie that then goes into the credits and says, you know, this coach went on to do this, this, and this after the movie, it's going to be predictable and a little bit silly, but it was cute and funny and heartwarming, and I liked it. Yeah, and I think it's a story worth being told, um, and I, I think for the most part, everyone in it is enjoying themselves and giving good performances and as you said it is pretty funny at points um it's a little 
listless. Like there's just a few moments where it's kind of just drifting till the next plot point. Um, And a lot of uh, what I would assume is kind of just some improv dialogue. Taika Waititi loves long lingering jokes that have overstayed their welcome uh, and then get funny because they've been sitting there for so long not being funny is like like the guy going up the stairs like the guy going up the stairs for like 30 seconds yeah that's very much his type of humor and i think because we've been kind of burned by recent taika waititi critics are going super harsh on this movie i also feel like it's coming out at a very poor time given the circumstances of everything going on and the the letter that he signed a lot of people are boycotting him and are very upset with him but putting all of that aside for just the quality of the movie, I do, th- yeah, I think it's being judged a lot harsher than it should have been. It's, I think it's a very good movie. Yeah, and I think also, I don't, I can't prove this, but I would wager that a lot of just feel-good, fun movies do not score well with critics because critics, they're mad that there wasn't enough drama. Oh, the, you know, there could have been such a more gripping story if you don't, yeah. But then it wouldn't be a feel good movie, yeah. <laughs> like you'd have to sacrifice on the comedy, and it's a comedy, yeah. and so I get that argument. And maybe yeah, th- there is a documentary version of this movie, same title, Next Goal Wins. If you want the serious version of the story, go watch that. Yeah. If you want the light and breezy comedy version of it, watch this. And I I don't understand why there can't be both in the world, and why critics are so only wanting you know it's the same thing um we haven't seen it yet we're seeing it next week but like the marvels came out audience score 85 percent. it's a feel-good quick fun happy movie critics gave it like a barely ticked over 60 percent just recently and it's like why why can't you just have fun why yeah. does everything have and to be they do it with <laughs> horror too a lot where it's yeah. like no i'm not going for the realism i'm going for the spooky silly ghosts that jump out like yeah. you know so i wouldn't take the critic rating too much to heart but honestly my recommendation which sucks because I do want these people to make money, but I would wait for streaming just because I think it's a good, fun movie to, like, watch after work if you've had a stressful day and you want just to be, you know, a heartwarming, nice little movie that's funny yeah. to watch while you eat dinner. It's I mean, I think, good. <laughs> yeah, this will be a good family after work kind of movie, um, and I could definitely see it doing really well on streaming. It does swear, so if it does you, swear it, a bit. I wouldn't say fully family movie, but almost family. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I don't know. It was really nice to be in a theater again, nearly sold out. Which yeah. for the past few movies we've been to, have been packed, pr- pretty packed, and good audiences, not annoying audiences. Yeah, mm-hmm. thankfully. Um, but yeah, being in a room again with you know fifty other people who were laughing at the movie and enjoying their their time. That's a fun experience, and I I am a sucker for the theater experience yeah. and want to see it stick around, so I say don't wait for streaming <laughs> and go enjoy it with a group of friends. You'll not be disappointed. Go to a matinee where tickets are a bit cheaper. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's move into spoilers. All right, spoilers for our next goal wins. Uh, they, they score two goal. goals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they win the game against Tonga at the end. Um, yeah, I think... 
other than that, like, that's... There was some stuff a little bit off with the transgender storyline that were... It's not just us. A lot of people have said that that's the thing that threw them a little bit. They don't do that as well as they could. Um, Yeah, I think this is one of the points where a much more dramatic version of the story or one that, like, takes a breath to be serious for a minute would have handled it differently. Um, I don't think this is the most egregious representation of trans people in the world, but I can totally understand why there are a couple moments in this that don't sit well with people. But I would also defend it a little bit by saying it is based off of an early 2000s story when that was not as commonly seen. So, like, if they were trying to stay true to the story, I could see why it would go down this way. But in today's terms, it was a little bit... I just, there, just there's a couple moments white. that were right. like unnecessary. Like if you had just taken a second pass at the script and cut out a couple lines or swapped a few yeah. or changed the order of a couple events, um, namely yeah. like she, um, he uh, calls her by her legal name, Johnny, when she goes by Jaina um, and does it in a malicious intent. Jaya. Jaya. Might be Jaya. Um, does it in a malicious intent and then she later comes and apologizes first for not giving enough to the team. Which I would say tracks with an (laughs) old grumpy white drunk man in the early 2000s, but today he should be the one apologizing. Yeah, he should. And or there should be a point potentially made in the movie about like, hey, why, you know, you're my coach. Why am I coming and extending the olive branch? You're supposed to lift me up. Could yeah. have been the conversation after, but instead it's some dumb jokes about genitals. Yeah. Um, and the so... thing that bothered me <laughs> though, was that when she first walks on screen, the people who edited this movie did it in a way that when she walks up, he's like staring at her and like checking her out almost. And they're playing like that early two thousands hot girl walks in music. And yeah, then he goes like, oh, who's she, you know? And then later he, like, calls her his daughter's name. and <laughs> Once he, like, gets to know her. And, yeah, yeah, and that's a little icky to me. So I just think that people who edited yeah. it could have done a little bit better on and that And I think, part. again, it's just like they didn't take the time to link a moment that happened very early in the movie with a moment way later in the movie. And they were just like, oh, it's funny because, you know, she arrives dressed in, like, a dress and is all you know, makeup all done up and stuff and has just come back from university in Hawaii and things and is comes in with a bit of arrogance to her. Uh, and so when she first walks up and he's surrounded by all these guys, he's like, ooh, wait, there's a, who's she? Is she the team masseuse? Because yeah. he that's the culture he's used to is you're on a soccer field and a woman walks up, she must be backroom staff, something like that. And But yeah, they don't ever, like come around on that or make it comfortable or have like the just the fact that then yes he calls her by his daughter's name does come across weird (laughs) yeah so like there's just a few things that didn't like flow right it wasn't super connected in parts but overall it's a good movie yeah you're gonna enjoy yourself you're gonna laugh you're gonna smile it's very heartwarming at the end again yeah they they end up scoring two goals jaya scores one of them um the winning goal 
And not um, only do they score, but they win their first game ever. They win their first game ever and have since never returned to the bottom of world rankings, which is cool. Um, and yeah, I... I don't know, and then they show during like the credits, they do the classic like show some clips from like the documentary, and the coach was throwing chairs around and crazy, and you know, Jaya is a person and the first ever. Um, oh, we should have said also his daughter had died, and that's yeah. why he's grumpy and drunk, and that's why it yes. means a lot when he considers her like his daughter. Which I think they keep that as like a reveal and they make you want to think like because he's grumpy his wife has left him and that's why he continues to be grumpy and then it's revealed no they were happy and good and he was successful until his daughter died and then he became grumpy and that's the issue i don't know that that revealed like it wasn't much of a reveal yeah it just was like oh okay yeah i i can see that yeah, I think I the point of, like, the reveal part was because he had never talked about it before, and then he finally opened up and told the team about it, um, because that's really why his wife left, is because he refused to talk about it. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I think, like, you could have maybe just introduced that a bit earlier, and the movie might flow a little better as well, but again, it, it's not the most structured movie ever put to film. Um, but yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. So what would you rate it? Uh, I'm also going to go with seven for this one. Me too. Double <laughs> sevens. Yeah, double sevens <laughs> this week. It's it's an enjoyable movie. Uh, it's, you know, it's no Wilder People. It's no Jojo Rabbit, but it's also If you not haven't as bad watched those, and go watch those. Yeah, not those Love are... and Thunder. Don't watch no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Wilder People and Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit are truly phenomenal films and I hope and he has said a little bit in interviews Taika that like he's a bit burnt out on the Hollywood's big budget system which you can see uh, and so hopefully he is going to kind of return to his roots and the lack of good reviews on this movie doesn't put him off from that yeah but yeah that's our thoughts on next goal wins it's known as the beautiful game but let's face it it's a complicated game guys Soccer, as you like to call it, is like life. Next season, I think we have a real shot. I'm sorry, uh, Thomas, did nobody tell you? You're, you're fired. All right, thank you for listening to our episode this week. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Nerd and Normie and tune in every Monday for a new episode. And if you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe. And if you're on an audio platform, leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. Thank, thank you. you.